I am unashamed. What about you? Let me throw this in one more time. I still uh, say every few weeks when we're talking about all these things, <laughs> the reason, Al, I've been going down to the, no matter where you start, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all add up to the same. We get to Luke 24. He said to him, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Now, he's not with us now. He's, he's gone back into heaven. Well, everything that's said about him must be fulfilled that is written about, um, about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. Well, up until this point, if you turn back about a couple of pages, uh, we're going up to Jerusalem. He's talking about that. And everything that's written in the prophets, he's what he, re he repeats it, must be fulfilled. He'll be handed over to the Gentiles. They'll mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, kill him. On the third day, he'll rise again. At that point, and that's Luke 18. At that particular point, the disciples did not, and I'm stressing that, did not understand any of this. They had no idea that he, after all that is written, you would think, okay, we're beginning to get it. Well, Matthew records it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I call it the four-page syndrome. The last four pages in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John brings it all together. And you get out here to Luke 24, 46. He told them, he, then he opened their minds. This is what I tell you while I still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me. Law of Moses, prophets, psalm. Then he opened their minds. He told them. If he opened their minds and he told them and he said, here's the way, I would say, Every time you come up and uh, uh, sit down next to some people who follow Jesus, they have to get this on straight. The Christ will suffer, rise from the dead. Where's the gospel? And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name all to every nation, beginning in Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you my father, what my father promised. She's talking about the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So I'm saying... Like yesterday morning, I just took, I said, look, don't try to study the whole Bible and argue about this and that and the other. Just get it on straight. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the last two pages. Mark, read the last two pages of Mark, and it'll say what the last two pages said in Matthew. Matthew, Mark, then Luke, last two pages. Then John, last two pages. I said, start there and study your Bible after that, but get that on straight. So, you know, about six of them, five, six of them, I baptize them on the spot every time they hear like that, and that's where I pretty well camp out. I'm just saying all this arguing about yeah, 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 yeah. Four times, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all say the same thing. It's amazing. I've never heard anybody to approach it that way. I've never heard anybody say, look, he said this four times at the end of four books. Why would you repeat yourself? I said, the answer is simple. So you can't miss it. <laughs> well, you, you literally can't miss it. 
that's all I got to, got to say going in. Because <laughs> <laughs> my, my question was. It's quite I, the I, withering I, open. <laughs> yeah, my question was, have we started the podcast? I mean, oh, yeah, we started yeah, like four minutes ago. We well, I think Phil just started <laughs> talking. We, held back. we will it. not be held back by some kind of thing called podcast. Yeah. But, no, let's just get this <laughs> podcast real live. Yeah. You're whipped up into a frenzy. Yeah. Sometimes you... Wires I sent a text and, to Maddie. I was like, are you recording this? She said, yeah. Okay. Well, we <laughs> can't make that up, man. That's good. Wow. It's That's a, a withering it's, open. It's a valid point, though. A lot of people no, though, say, you know, they're like, well, the Bible is not relevant. It's an old book. It's It was prehistoric times. And yet somehow. Why do y'all keep repeating the same thing? Well, somehow it relates to today. And uh, it kind of hit me that the reason that is, is it's the same God. Yeah. He, yeah. He's not changing like shifting shadows, which I hope. He hasn't changed we, a bit since he changed. had us write this, write this down. Which is why it's relevant today. Because when you start looking, you read the Bible, you start looking around, you're like, yep, same problems. No solution outside of God, Jesus Christ, same and promises, the Holy Spirit. Same promises. Same promises. So no matter what the culture is, you know, don't go home and dig a hole and say, I just don't know what to do. Yeah, you know, that's right. This is, this is real. That's, this can happen. That's my point. God's still moving. He's still changing people's lives. Heaven's a real place where we're headed. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, really, it's it's kind of interesting because you know, where we are in Luke 18, we were talking about this before, uh, before Dad started in uh, on his uh, gospel rant, that the God is unchanging, but we are we do change. And we're talking about prayer, which is an interesting um, concept into what what that's all about. I mean, if if God doesn't change, why pray? Right. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we, we've got a context in Luke 18. We've been talking about, you know, this persistent widow and the idea of the him saying. Just, it, they say, he says it. They had no idea. I, even after he did it, they they still didn't know. They still couldn't grab it. They said, what? I mean, because, you know, it's not every day you see somebody being raised from the dead. Well, it's newsflash. It's hard to wrap your head around when you're caught up in your current circumstances on what God's plan is. He he knows way more than we'll ever know if if you're honest. Well, kudos to you for bringing up all the things that most people, they may argue with them, they get them out there. It needs to be more uh, down to earth than that. I mean, mean, the, the, the meat of it, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the last four pages, the oh, last okay. two pages in each book. It, yeah, that's it, what I tell. I mean, look, yesterday, over over and over, while, over. while you were uh, uh, baptizing people, you know, I had a sister, a uh, widow lady, you know, African-American sister who I just absolutely love. Missy and I, we, we just, there's just some people that you're around and and every when they're talking, you just feel like you know you talking about God in a person. Oh yeah. But we she was uh she said yeah I I had a study with uh I think it was her nephew. She said you know he's young and dumb, 
<laughs> and just trying to, <laughs> you know, he's caught up in the world. And she said, he just keeps saying one thing, the same thing over. Why in the world are you people following something you can't see? That doesn't make any sense. And she she said, now I know you got something that I can just fire him up on. You know, and and so we were, we got into, you know, she got a notebook out. Give her the last two pages in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I did it in about, (laughs) oh. Three minute rant. <laughs> well, I kind of went the, uh, you know, the three questions. Had, had I said, I think I'd start hey, off somebody, asking if, him. If his disciples had no idea, yeah, what he was when he got right to, to doing it. He was given right. We'll go to walk them up. But the disciples, they knew nothing about what he was talking about. Well, it's amazing. Well, it's because we're we're in this earthly mindset in our current circumstances. And that I mean, little, bad little dude had it down right. You know, he had it down you? right. I said, I it. said, you know, ask him where he came from. I mean, how did he get on the earth? What's he doing here? And how's he leaving? I just ask him what he thinks. Yeah, you know, on, on the answers to those questions. She needs the, to bring him to a little class on Sunday morning over there next to the big building. There's a little bit. Well, yeah, she can't get him. She's trying, but so she can't get we, him up there. That's all we do. His point was just show show him to me, and I'll follow him. So then I went in on the you know the Hebrews 1, God has spoken to us by revealing his son. I said, you know, if you close your eyes and picture God, what do you see? Most people see nothing or some old judge, gray-haired, ready to just drop the gavel and i said you know what we should see is the red letters of jesus to your point phil yep i said or you know at least you should see that guy from the chosen (laughs) (laughs) that's right you know but the black letters but to be fair the black letters are are just as powerful as the red letters i mean they're they're all inspired by the by the holy spirit you know i think it's that's no, why you're I think right. that. And Luke basically brought it to a head. I'm going to send you what my father had promised, but stay in the city till you've been clothed. He opened their minds, it says, above that, so they could understand the scriptures. He, mm. his, own, his own disciples were watching him and, and look, he listened to what he said, but what he did, they're sitting there sneaking around. Yeah, but it's more like that movie of the, you know, who's the Harrison Ford or whatever in the Jewel of the Nile. They they wanted to find this jewel that, you know how movies go, the greatest jewel on earth. And so they're all looking for it. And the guide who was taking them to look for it was the jewel. It was a guy. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know where they got this idea from. <laughs> but, and, and that's why they couldn't see it, Phil, because they're like, well, show us the power, show us the might, show us the material yeah. things, show, yeah. show us a castle where we're all, you know, streets of gold leading where we're going to rule. And he like, no, I, yeah, I'm them, that. They were saying you are a king. Yeah. Jesus is like, I'm that, I'm, I am the jewel. They're not going to be able to wrap their head around it. And people still are not today, which is why I told that story yesterday, having a 30 minute discussion on this. You got a young man who's like. Well, just show show him it, which it sounds just like the people that Jesus was dealing with. Just show us the Father, show show us the way, and he's like, I am the way. Like the little boy said, "So I can see something." Yeah, I need to see what it is. 
Th- yeah. Think about the thing. First of all, it was Michael Douglas, not Harrison Ford. Uh, yeah, okay. ju- jewel of the Nile. Uh, just know, as yeah. a it's been podcast, correct? It's been a while. But uh, uh, that's, that's an important <laughs> caveat because I was because <laughs> my mind, you know, where my mind went. My mind went to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I was I like, know. I, I thought, don't remember. And I was trying to put it together, and yeah. that, that was yeah. well. Some, somebody would have sent that in, so I wanted to correct it. No, but Jace, think about it. Think about the fallacy of the young man's question. Because every single day you climb on an airplane, you get on a train, um, so many different instances around the country, you trust, you have faith in things you don't see. Every day you invest in the stock market. I mean, there people put their faith in a lot of things they don't see every single day. So the idea that somehow the unseen God, as he puts it, wouldn't be fruitful to you and is is worthy of looking into you do it every single day you put your faith in things you don't see well what's the what's the other option the other op- the other option is is to say i'm going to put my faith in a universe that came into being out of nothing yeah. right so think it just think it what is nothing you can't see nothing. You can't. I mean, you can't. There's. It's nothing. There's. It, that's the whole idea. There's nothing there, but yet you. But it's not a huge leap for us to believe that that we sprang into being out of nothing. But yet, if you if you put it in the context of a of a God, a personal God who who creates, then all of a sudden people are like, "Whoa, that's 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 too hard to believe." That's why we had Frank Turk on the podcast a while back, and he wrote a whole book that I read years ago called. His whole point was, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Right. In other words, it it it, it takes a, a leap either way. But I, you know, I've I, I've gone down the rabbit hole on these questions with apologetics and defending the Christian faith, and um, and I love that branch of Christian theology, by the way. But there's a quote from Spurgeon that I uh, I love. He says uh, that the, the gospel is a caged lion. He does not need to be defended. He just needs to be unleashed. He doesn't need to, God, like, we well, don't need to defend it. the gospel. It, it defends itself. And so I think that the power is in the gospel. The power is in transformative lives. And the power is in this fact that, like, to me, what I think moves people to understand and to know God, the, the arguments are great. They're there. We have plenty of historical and scientific evidence. We've, that's all there. But to me, that is not nearly as powerful as what Paul says in Romans chapter one. The power is what in the gospel, because everybody has that. I mean, it's become cliche to say this, but everybody has that God shaped hole now in their heart. And the only thing that can fill it is God. And we all know that in the core of our being. And so I think it takes a, a degree of honesty and a degree of seeking uh, to, to for the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. You know, you have to be willing to 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 want to receive that you know and, and some people don't because it's a it is a threat to our own personal autonomy and sovereignty to for us to to submit to to something someone greater than ourselves yeah right after the resurrection there's a few of them joanna mary mary magdalene james they're they're walking around jesus runs up on them he'd just been raised from the dead uh what are you discussing together as you walk along what y'all talking about think about this they stood still their faces downcast. They looking at the dirt, just shaking their head. Oh, he's gone. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one living in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in the last few days? Jesus asked him, what things? I mean, just look the way this unfolds. Uh, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. 
He was a prophet. He was a prophet. See, he's gone now. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Look, he's been telling them this for three years. He's saying, this is what I'm going to do. Well, now that he's done it, he run up on a little group, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We thought he was going to be our way out. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, so they thought three days, you know, that's a long, long time, but he's gone. He won't be back. That's it. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. Well, they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels and said that said he was alive. Somebody said, do what? He said, yeah, we got some people with the word, that, but that he, he survived it. Well, that's what he'd been telling them for three years. Then you're talking about hard head. Some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, now listen, Jesus is what came to his mind. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Well, if the ones that were that close to his literal resurrection, think about what people, uh, to Jace's point about some little boy saying, I don't know, you know, how can y'all believe in something you don't, you can't see? All this starts to come back to everybody. Did not the Christ have to suffer all that the prophets had spoken? Did not the Christ have to suffer those things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, now he, he's, a, he's a walking Bible, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Well, if it was that hard to get people to follow Jesus within three days, of what 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 happened, what he did, he said he was going to do. You know, y'all read your Bibles. Who do you think he was talking about? Well, that just shows you, though, how difficult it is for any generation to accept Jesus as their Savior. He died for my sins, was raised from the dead, and solved my grave problem. It looks like you'd see more, but I didn't move till I was 28. So there you go. So you can miss it in a snap of a fingers. So we're entering into the holiday season, uh, and it's uh, not just about spending time with family, but it's also a great time at the end of the year, sort of look at finances, look at your future, uh, look at your family. Uh, and one of the things that uh, we always want to look for is ways we can take care of our families, and life insurance is one of those things uh, that provides uh, for maybe once we're gone to help the expenses. Uh, Policy Genius is one of our sponsors, and they're going to help you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts uh, who are on hand to help talk you through it. And so uh, even if you have uh, already have a life insurance policy at work, uh, it may not be enough protection for your family. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars worth of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius knows that your time is one of your most valuable assets, and so they have technology that are going to help you compare your quotes from America's top insurers. They have licensed, award-winning agents who help fit every need that you have. It's for parents, caregivers, 
anyone who has people who depend on them. Your family deserves peace of mind. A life insurance policy through Policy Genius can give it to them. Head to policygenius.com slash Phil or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Phil. No, I think you're right, Dad. I mean, I, and to Zach's point, along with what you said, Dad, I think we we have an understanding. The powers in the gospel, Jesus couldn't convince a lot of people, and he oh. was Jesus. <laughs> I mean, and his actions were that of the Son of God, and a lot of people didn't believe him. So, it was a of tough course, sale then as much as it yeah, is now, two thousand years later, you know. Uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, he said he he went back to the prophets and he he went through the scriptures, and so I think that when we talk about like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John being kind of core contacts for, of the gospel, but but it's all built on what was written in the Old Testament. In fact, we're going through the book of Isaiah at our church right now, and it's kind of interesting. I've, I've actually gotten rebuttal on this, which is I don't understand why, but I have. But but I said the first sermon I gave, our second sermon I gave on Isaiah, I was in Isaiah 27, and I said, you, we have to interpret. The close one, too. Isaiah fifty three is the one that just really spells it out. Yeah, yeah. but if you but if you read Isaiah and you don't have a context of of Jesus, then it's you're not going to get the full picture. So I said I mean, the 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 better way to interpret Scripture is to interpret the book of Isaiah through the lens of, of Paul and through the lens of Jesus and through the lens mm-hmm. of all the New Testament people who wrote and and talked about the prophet Isaiah. And that's what Paul's argument was in Romans when he started the book of Romans. What he basically said, I'm about to explain to you, you know, basically all of what the prophets wrote. I'm going to I'm going to give you Old Testament prophet scripture in the revelation of Jesus. I'm, and, and you're going to see Isaiah in a way and Hosea and all the other people that he quotes, Malachi. You're, you're going to understand what they what, what the prophets really meant and who they were really pointing to. And they were pointing to Jason's point to a person, not an idea. They were pointing to an actual person named Jesus. And so I think that's the, you know, for anybody who's like, man, I can't, I can't believe in something I don't see. I mean, I, on one level, I get that because the church, I mean, look, let's be fair and honest. The church has asked us over his, throughout history to believe in things that were um, unbelievable and not in a good way, like things that are irrational. And God never calls you to believe in in what something that's incoherent or God is a, a God of coherency, a God of order, a God of meaning. But, but that, but, but that doesn't mean that, that everything is physical and you can, be, we do believe in things to Al's point that aren't necessarily things that we can touch and see with our, I mean, we believe in a lot of historical figures yep. that we have no access. I can't witness Alexander the great. Do right. I believe he existed? Absolutely. Well, is that a leap of faith? No, I mean it's just—I mean it's, it's documented. I believe it, you know. And, and in the same way, you know, Jesus occupied space and time, and we can believe He's real. But the real transformation has to go beyond just an intellectual ascent um, to know these things. It has to be a personal knowledge of a of a living God. He is a living God, and and then that's where I think the real fruit comes is when we experience God in, in a personal and meaningful way where he actually has application to what way we live our life. What's yeah, going that, on that, here. That, that chapter 24 on Luke, about the verse seven or eight, the women, they bowed down, verse five, they bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to him, 
Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while we were still over in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. You remember that? Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. The women are the ones being the voices of what went down. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. That last, that's the last four pages. That's, That's right at the end of Luke. So whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, all you people that listen to this podcast, if you miss Jesus in his death for your sins to cleanse you of your sin and the resurrection three days later to, so that you can, you're alive. You know, all the ones that have passed on, the Bible said he's not the God of the, of the dead, but of the living. So it's the greatest story ever told. And all we want you to do is, Accept that by faith. Believe in Jesus, what he's done for you, what he's now doing, and what he will do. I don't think it's asking too much of the human race. Well, and it's interesting, Dad, the way the story plays itself out in the power of the gospel. We were just out in Las Vegas um, last week, and um, we went on an event, Mom and Dad, Lisa and I, and Willie. And, I mean, that's a long way from, you know, home. And yet we kept running into person after person. Dad, how many people told us when they saw the movie how it had impacted their view of the gospel? I just kept hearing that over and over and over again. It was like, but it was a movie about your, our family, you, you and mom's yep. life. But what they took from that was the power of the gospel, which is interesting because that's exactly what it is. So I, I just think over and over and over again, there's different ways to see the unseen. Uh, to Jason's point earlier, which is powerful. And the Speaking good of the movies, that with that crowd, it's not even a gamble. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, Pun intended. So, Zach, t- tell us about the movie because I know that the DVD is about to release. Before we get back to our text, tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah, the movie. Uh, by the way, are the pre-orders Phil? The blind was the, has been the number one. Pre, pre number one DVD on Amazon, the DVD uh, movie. So that's, I, I, really? there's a lot of people that are buying it. Yeah, that was impressive. So we beat. Uh, th- this may this may make you feel better. That I noticed uh, this weekend that we were number one, and and do you know who number two was? Who we had to beat to get to number one? Taylor Swift. Not Taylor Swift. She's not out <laughs> yet, but close, <laughs> close. What would be your next guess, Al? Uh, I don't even know. Cl- Barbie. Oh, Barbie. We yeah. beat Barbie. So we beat Barbie, uh, but uh, so that was this past week. But yeah, yeah the, so the DVD comes out. I never got involved out. with the bar- Barbies. <laughs> <laughs> I am dumb on her. Or what? whatever it is, Darby, Barbie. Yeah, I don't think it's you're missing anything on that. Oh, we beat yeah. Barbie. We beat Barbie. Barbie was That's big. Congratulations. Barbie was a big hit. Barbie was a big hit. I don't know why it was somebody, a big hit. They labeled, they labeled me. Somebody told me this. I don't have a cell phone, but somebody said that, you you know, they they looked at it, and uh, and I was unwoke. I said, oh, I'm wide awake. Don't worry about that. But you were, un, you were unwoke? You said Phil Robinson unwoke, unwoke, did this or that and the other, you know, then said something about the movie, but – I mean, but you, but you feel wide awake, don't you? Yeah, wouldn't that mean you were asleep if you were unwoke? I don't know, unwoke. but I woke up when I was about 28 
if they wanted to really know the truth about it. I would call I would call Dad the I became the anti whoa, twenty eight years ago. I would, yes. I would call Dad the <laughs> oh, the anti Barbie. Hold on a second. That's a that is a line that we just captured that I think could get a headline there. Phil just said he he said he got woke twenty eight years. Well, he's twenty eight years old. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. He like woke that. up. Well, That's it is a, biblical, right? You know, arise, awake from your sleep. Where's that at? Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians yeah. 5. Ephesians 5. Hang on, Zach. Let's take a break. But anyways, uh, uh, yeah, DVD comes out tomorrow. So you guys can go to Amazon, uh, Walmart, wherever you buy your DVDs at. But it's out. Um, it's got and the cool thing about it. It's got a lot of bonus features we put in there. Um, interviews with my mom. We have real interviews with my mom and uh, Bill and Phil, Bill Bill Smith, who was the pastor in the movie, which is we were able to find some footage because there was a little dot little thing we did years ago that kind of told Phil's testimony, and they interviewed Mom and Bill Smith and Phil. Do you, I don't know if you remember doing that, Phil. I don't. Do you know. remember doing that bit, little video? How long ago oh, was that? Sixty, seventy years. No, 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 this this no, was like this, ten years ago. Ten years yeah. ago, hey, you ten or fifteen years. Only ten, yeah. man. So this. Is, <laughs> I'll send you a copy of the DVD because you'll probably want to see it. It's got an interview with mom. It's got an interview with Bill Smith. Uh, I think Mac Owen um, is in there. It's kind of just your, you're in it. It's your whole journey. Uh, it's it's pretty huh. powerful. It's kind of the point of the movie, which is kind of the ripple effect is the idea behind that video. Huh. Yeah. Every time I watch it, I tear up because it's almost like you're hearing voices from beyond the pale. Yeah. Listening yeah, to Bill, powerful. listening to Jan. I mean, you know, just remembering them when they were here. So I, I love. It. I'm so glad y'all put that on the DVD. Oh, I'm so glad we got the footage too from that. Yeah. But uh, and then also it's, we got deleted scenes in there that weren't in the movie. Um, you know, we cut. We left a lot on the cutting floor. So there's some deleted scenes. So if you if you really want to see kind of behind the scenes, deleted scenes, uh, footage of the real Bill, the real Phil, uh, and the real uh, um, Jan. Um, then go get the DVD. It's out tomorrow, 11, 14, November 14th. Is there any cut scenes of me not being told to go to bed that are, <laughs> that actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think that was your. Somebody uh, said, which one were you? I said, I was the one that kept being told to go back to bed. That, that yeah, seemed to be the you. consistent line. There may, there may be. I don't know. There's quite a few, uh, uh, um, deleted scenes in there. So I need to, I need to familiarize myself with it. That's awesome. Before we uh, before we get to our text, uh, I do have an event that's on Thursday, November sixteenth. This week later, six p.m. It's the events in Washington, Missouri, at the Triple Three Vineyard Trinity Hall. But you go to yourothermother.org, which is based in Union, to get information. So if you want to see Lisa and I, our last event, our last official event of the year, uh, will be this week. So we're excited about that. Uh, Jace, any travel? Uh, tales before we get to the text. I hadn't asked you if you've been anywhere this week. You've been home this week or what? I have been home this week. Yeah, we had the week off, so uh, we kept the little one, which was nice. Uh, it it just every time it, it at this age, I'm more appreciative of life and how God uses us. You know, we're talking about God is a father to the fatherless. And you yep. look at our culture, you know, we've been talking about God as our father. And we read that in Luke 11 and Luke 18. And I don't know, it's kind of made me rethink my prayer life. Uh, 
Because I realize, you know, when you read that passage in James 1, where it says, if any of you should, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should pray. And I look at how the new birth, you know, being born again is is a process. It's like, you know, a, a kid that's two, he asks some pretty strange questions. And, uh, you know, most of the answers are that we give are, no, you know, because they're wanting to do dangerous things. You know, I want to go jump in the pool, yeah. you know, at two years old. Well, they don't understand why you can't go jump in the pool by yourself. Oh, well, what are you talking about? And so uh, it's been very enlightening to applying that to our new birth and, and how we have a relationship with God who doesn't change and everything in our world is changing. So we left off in Luke 18. Um, we we looked at the first, um, I think it was eight verses about this parable of the persistent widow. And Jace, we went back and also looked, we pulled in Luke 11, which was when Jesus, the disciples asked about how they should pray and uh, and, and what they should pray. And so we, we looked at that and then we kind of compared that to this um because basically Luke has three, these three parables about prayer, um, the one in Luke 11 and then also forward to Luke 18. So we kind of covered a little bit of that leading to this next one. But you and I were talking before, probably a good idea, especially based on what we've talked about so far on the podcast, just kind of looking at prayer in general yeah, um, and how that works with the with with a God who's ever all-knowing everlasting and unchanging how, how does how does the prayer concept work yeah i mean look i i'm gonna be honest uh somewhere in the last week it kind of hit me that you know when jesus repeats himself you might ought to take note of that so he tells this story in luke 11 which is one of the least preached stories you'll you'll hear i mean people they'll get into when he said this is how you should pray you know our father Etc. Etc. But he tells that parable. You know, there's a guy sleeping in his house. He gets a knock on the door. This is Luke 11. I'm just paraphrasing. And he's like, "What in the world? It's the middle of the night." But the guy keeps banging on the door. He opens the door and he's like, "Look, I got some his neighbors. Like, I got some friends in. Can I borrow some bread?" You're like, "What? It's the middle of the night." But because of his persistence, you know. He he gives him some bread so he can entertain his strangers. So you're like, well, that that that's all nice. Why why is Jesus telling that? Because he's wanting us to be, you know. In that in that case, he then explains that we should be persistent and shameless and and almost audacious in our in our prayer life with with God. But then in Luke 18, he tells another story which has the same point. Here's a woman who is a widow and she keeps coming to this judge who doesn't fear God and he doesn't care about people. I mean, he's not even a good, good judge. He's a bad judge. Yeah. She's trying to get justice against her adversary and he refused. But finally he said, you know, even though I don't fear God or care about people, which is a strange thing to say and a very bad thing to say. Yeah. Because this widow keeps bothering me, 
which is giving you the idea that our, our prayer life should be so intense that it's almost, you know, like we're trying to bother God. We're just relentless. But he said, since she keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And then, you know, the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? I mean, what a question. You just think about everything going on in the world. And this is really not a... uh, you know, something that we spend a lot of time talking about, but injustice happens every day. And, uh, you know, what I find fascinating about the Bible is in, in God's Word is it's not political. It it deals with issues that cross political lines. You know, there's always lines that in politics that people tend to stress. You know, he spends a lot of time talking about children and a lot of time talking about marriage. We've already read about it and he detailed marriage you know between a male and a female and he's talking about don't cause any kid to stumble you know he's been wanting to protect that well kind of in the bible belt these are two issues you hear a lot about in churches you know we define marriage and uh and we protect the unborn and we try to protect children but what's also fascinating is jesus seems to spend just as much time talking about injustice and him making things right in the end and helping the poor, which are two things you don't hear about. That that seems to be on the other political side where they're talking about. And that's what I love about the Lord. It's like he he has a heart for all people. And he has a heart for people that have been done wrong. That excites me. He has a heart for children and keeping them safe. He has a heart for marriage because he realizes the importance of that family dynamic in our culture. And so I'm not making a political speech here. I'm just saying all of these stories, you, you, you just keep seeing these things about how God cares about us and our culture and his principles, I think, would is what we desperately need. But having said all that, the fact that he uses the same illustration with two different parables in just short, such a short period of, of time, there, there's a struggle with praying to a God who is unchanging and who is just and who's loving and us having all the distractions and circumstances that we have to go through. There, there's a struggle here. And I think a lot of people have asked this question. Well, if God is unchanging, why would we be persistent in praying? I mean, if we can't change who he is, why would you keep asking him? And look, there's if you Google that, you're going to see thousands of arguments, debates, thoughts. And so, well, which is it? Does he change his mind or... Does he not? And so I thought we could get into that a little bit and get y'all's overall views of that. I mean, I think it's a good good conversation to address because Jesus seems to be stressing this, knocking, being persistent. So, so how does that work? Well, I would say God is unchanging, but we are ever-changing. And since he functions 
as much in our time as he does outside of time, I think from our perspective, things do change. Uh, I thought I think about a couple of different Old Testament examples. One is Hezekiah, which is probably the most obvious one where God says, you, you know, you're this time next year, you're going to you're going to be gone. I've decided you're coming home. And so Hezekiah prays fervently, persistently, just like the story says. And then the word comes back. Um, OK, you got 15 more years before yep. you're going to go. So the question is, did God know all along that Hezekiah was going to live 50 more years? Yes, because he's outside of time. You say, well, what does it matter? Will it matter to Hezekiah? Because for him, the circumstance changed. He was told by God one thing, and then he was told by God something different. I think about the bargain that Abraham had for Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep. You know, did, did God know all along what was going to happen to that city? Yeah. You say, well, what does it matter? Well, it mattered to Abraham because he was trying to save a city. So I think you just have to look at it from it's all about perspectives. It's the same thing with saying, what does any of it matter? Because it's all already happened. But every person matters to God. And we're still living and still making decisions and trying to show integrity. So I think every prayer matters. And that's Jesus' point here. And persistence does matter to us. It doesn't matter whether God knows the outcome or not. That's my yeah. take. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because he did say, you know, Luke 18 is very interesting that these two parables, which the parable of the persistent widow and the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, which we'll do coming up, 9 through 14, I think they're the only two parables in Luke that actually tell you why he told them. Yeah. He says, you know, you can check me out on that, but I think I'm right on that. He says he told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And so, uh, you know, I have a meandering thing that I went through. I brought up that James 1, and I'd like to just share this and get y'all's thoughts on it. Because it, it, it kind of scared me that I don't believe I've really researched prayer enough in my Christian faith to get a handle on it. it you know, I, I, I've kind of treated, and I'm just kind of confessing my weaknesses here. I've kind of treated God like a, you know, a genie in the bottle. But from a sincere play, you know, I'm not asking, you know, for a million dollars or, you know, let me. But it's like, you know, you wait, you have a situation, there's a need, you pray about it. I mean, that's. Yeah. And, and I've realized that it's way deeper than that. And so the James one, when he said, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God and he gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. And when he when he asked, he, he must believe and not doubt. I thought, well, how is that possible? Because he who mm -hmm. doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, he goes on in verse 16 and says, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So there's an, uh, I think the, the Zach word is immutability of God. He's Ooh. not changing. Zach, did I use that correct? You did. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits 
that he created. So I'm reading that, and then I wanted to read a little bit of Psalm 102. And you say, what is this Psalm 102? It's a prayer of a guy who's obviously very sick. Uh, The little heading in Psalm 102 says, a prayer of an afflicted man when he is faint and pours out his lament before the Lord. And so, look, it's very depressing, the first 11 verses. Because here's a guy saying, oh, Lord, let me cry for help. And then he says, do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. And he's like, my, and and he's afflicted because he said, my bone, my bones burn like glowing embers. My days vanish like smoke. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. I mean, the the man is, is sick. He's groaning. Then he gets to verse 12 and he says, but you, O Lord, you sit enthroned forever. And he starts going on about qualities of God and, and kind of the unchanging nature of it. So he gets to verse 18. He says, let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high from heaven. He viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So even in his distress, he's given credit that, you know, I know, I know you are compassionate and you care and you're, and you're loving, but it just, I'm looking around and, and I'm miserable. And so the place I wanted to get is to verse 23 and read to the end. It says, in the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. So he's, he's you can tell he, he's mad. He, he's bitter and he's struggling. So I said, do not take me away, oh my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be discarded. But you remain the same and your, your years will never end. And notice this last verse. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established for you. And so the reason you said, why'd you pick Psalm 102 and read that in a prayer of somebody who is just so down and then praying about a God who doesn't change in his, in his nature. He in, endures forever. Because when I was reading Hebrews chapter one, to go back to my illustration about, uh, wasn't an illustration, it happened yesterday with the, with the sister who was asking me about her nephew and I, me trying to get a picture in her mind that we're to reveal Jesus. In Hebrews chapter one, and y'all remember what Hebrews is about, is Jesus is better. He's the fulfillment of the prophets. And what we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, and you start reading in Hebrews one, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers, to the prophets at many times, various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And to your point, Phil, after he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Well, then he uses, look, 10 Old Testament references to show that Jesus fulfilled what was written. 
Well, you know what one of them is? Psalm 102. And I want to read it in verse 10. In the beginning, this is Hebrews 1.10. Oh, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. And then he says, to which of the angel, which is another, another uh, reference from Psalm 110, well, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for my feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Which I never really understood that verse until right now because I realized all the prayers in the Bible when you read, look, some of them seem to be answered. You know, uh, when Peter and them were in the prison and and the people were praying for them, you know, and then the earthquake yeah. came and look, then Peter and them show up at the house. Well, they had just prayed and then they didn't believe it. Remember that? Yeah. God they answers their prayer and they're like, yeah, well, that can't be. Well, that wasn't a very believable prayer. What happened to this not doubting stuff? Uh, so my point is, but what about when they pray for John the Baptist? Well, he got his head cut off. So you're like, well, what happened? You know, Acts 27, when Paul, they were on the ship, you know, his, his, an angel was sent to him and you, you can read, read that. So my point is, I think when you combine Psalm 102, Hebrews 1 and Luke 18, what we get here, it is very difficult for us as sons and daughters of God to understand when you start listing all of God's qualities, he's eternal, he's all knowing, he's all powerful, but he's also a God of love. He's a God of justice. When you start trying to put that in your practical everyday prayer life, your your head's going to explode. It's just you're not going to be able to see it just like a kid can't really see why I'm telling him, no, you can't go jump in the pool right now. You know, ask me, yep. ask me in 10 years and then we'll talk. But I know this. I know that Jesus revealed himself as God, and I, I do understand that on a cross, this all-powerful, eternal God became weak so that we could be a part of his forever family. I, I make that connection, and I think that's why this Hebrews is quoting that. It's like everything in our world is going down. It's all going to wear out. If you put your faith in your money or your house or your friends or your family, it's all going down. That's right. It's all going down. So what's left is actually something that's inspiring. It's an unchanging God. It's not based on circumstance. So I think the struggle in the prayer life is realizing who God is despite your circumstances constantly changing. Well, that relationship aspect of it is the power of prayer. But at the end of the day, you're never going to understand God's way and God's plan completely because we're we're human. It's going to wear out. So that was my sermon. No, that's that's pretty good. There's a lot more to unpack, so we're out of time uh, for our regular uh, unashamed session. So we'll pick this up in our overtime. BlazeTV.com slash unashamed is where you go to get that. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.